1: life if you give your heart God's kingdom comes first. It comes before all the busyness of life, before all the little things that we like to do for ourselves. In fact, people, God's people comes first. The kingdom work comes first. I remember I was into Bible college, and you know, you can get into building your own little kingdoms. Even Bible college can be that way because it's it can become look at my academics. Well, I got into this discussion with a fella over email. He was trying to understand salvation. He didn't understand how it worked. So I'd write him an email, I'd write him an email, and we were going back and forth. Well, I had an assignment to do, a writing assignment, a really big writing assignment with over 25, 30 more pages or so, and I had to get my assignment of what the subject was about to write on from my professor. He said, call me at this time, and I will give you individually in the class, I'll give you your own writing assignment. Well, I kept writing emails to my friend about salvation, and I got to thinking, I need to find out what my subject is in my assignment because I need to get busy with my writing project. So I thought of putting my friend off to get my writing assignment. And the Lord communicated to me, No, people come first, the kingdom things come first. Well, I finally got to where my friend said, Yes, I understand what's going on. So I called my professor, he was a pastor. His church had just gotten broke into for some reason. He said, Ray, I don't have time on the, uh, he was on the phone with me. I don't have time right now. He goes, tell you what, just do your paper over salvation. So I realized I already had my assignment done. All I had to do was go to my emails, copy and paste the content into my paper and just format the paper right. And I pretty much had the assignment done. The kingdom comes first. And well, today we're going to see a lot of kingdoms that fall. Many kingdoms were falling because a lot of kings were falling. Somebody needs to learn to put the kingdom of God first. So here we are to finish up 1 Kings chapter 15. We're now in verse 25 where Nadab reigns in Israel. Now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. Then Baasha, the son of Ahijah of the house of Issachar, conspired against him, and Baasha killed him at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines, while Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibbethon. Baasha killed him in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. And it was so when he became king that he killed all the house of Jeroboam. He did not leave to Jeroboam any one that breathed until he had destroyed him, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite, because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he had sinned, and by which he had made Israel sin, because of his provocation, with which he had provoked the Lord God of Israel, to anger. Now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. Now we had previously seen that Jeroboam's son died as judgment against Jeroboam's line, but... That was Abijah who had died young. That was Jeroboam's first son here that had died for that judgment. Now, this guy Nadab, that was another son of Jeroboam that would have been Abijah's brother. And just like dear old dad did, he caused Israel to sin, just like Jeroboam had done. You just know that bad things are coming from this guy when you listen to this. And so Basha here, his intention for killing off the entire house of Jeroboam, that was simply to, to secure his throne. That's what king, kings did in those days. They would eliminate all those who would try to challenge their place on the throne. They would wipe them all out. But in doing this, though Baasha was doing that to secure his throne, in doing this, he actually ended up fulfilling Ahijah's prophecy that Jeroboam's line would end. Remember Hijah said, Your whole line's gonna be snuffed out. Well that's how it got taken out was through Basha. He killed them all. So the Lord had moved Basha to become king for the purpose also of taking Jeroboam and his whole line down because of all the sin that Jeroboam had done, which also caused Israel to fall into sin as well with him. Friends, the Lord executes his judgment against sin very harshly. That's why the execution, the crucifixion, of Jesus Christ was so harsh. It was so barbaric. And so this text, it reminds us why his fall was so harsh. Jeroboam, why he fell so hard because verse 30 says, he made Israel sin. You know, if you got a friend, uh, some family down the street and they want to watch these terrible movies or do these crazy things that you don't want your kids into, okay, that's on them. That's their house. That's down the street. They do what they want to do in their own home. But if they cause your children to start doing it too, well, now that's a personal matter. Now that's different because now they're causing others to sin. That's what Jeroboam did. He caused other people to sin, the whole nation of Israel to sin with him. He did not just have his own private sins, Jeroboam's line. He was also the literal enabler of thousands of other people to go, fall into sin also, including all his sons, which we just saw get wiped out. 1 Kings fifteen thirty three. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, Basha, the son of Ahijah, became king over all Israel and Tirzah and reigned 24 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. Now, you'd think this guy would have heard about the prophet's warning <laughs> against Jeroboam, how his family was going to be judged for all this. Not only that, but when you consider that Baasha himself is the one that wiped Jeroboam's line out, he was actually the guy that performed the judgment that Jeroboam knew was coming. You would have thought he would have put two and two together to realize, hey, I better not act the same exact way that all these other kings had done. I should do differently. If you knew that somebody got all four tires flattened every time they drove down Debris Street, then why would you drive down the same street in exactly the same way? Why would you do that? You wouldn't. So why did Basha go along the same way that Jeroboam did, doing evil in the sight of the Lord? Just by pure ignorance is all I could say. And now he's about to go down just like Jeroboam did. 1 Kings sixteen one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Basha, saying, Inasmuch as I lifted you out of the dust and made you ruler over my people Israel, and you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel sin, to provoke me to anger with their sins, surely I will take away the posterity of Basha and the posterity of his house. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Basha and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the fields. Okay, that's a pretty insulting judgment there. Dogs were not the cuddly little creatures that we have domesticated as our pets today. They were actually considered insulting low animals in that day. And he said the dogs are going to eat your family. Now, Basha probably had started from a very low place in society to be brought all the way up as king because God reminded him how he had lifted him up out of the dust to make him king. I pulled you out of nothing to make you king. Now, we have already seen the Lord do this with someone else before. He did it with King David. David was a shepherd boy before he became king. As a matter of fact, when they were lined up for Samuel to determine which of David's brothers were going to become king. They didn't even invite him. And Samuel goes, none of these are the king. Do you have anybody else? Oh, yeah, David's out there in the field. He's a shepherd. You don't want him. So he lifted David up from nothing to become king. And so shepherds were considered the lowest in society. So you can see what God likes to do, lifting the lowest people up to demonstrate his glory. Now, Basha had this opportunity. He says, I lifted you up out of the dust, he says. He could have done a lot of glory for the Lord, but he did not do it. But since Basha walked in the way of Jeroboam, then the Lord sent Basha pretty much the same exact words that Ahijah had told Jeroboam himself, that his rule was going to end, his family line was going to end, his whole dynasty, his whole ancestral line was going to come to an end, and the dogs were going to eat those that died. That's pretty bad. You could have done something, but you didn't. You could have glorified my name, but you chose not to. This provoked the anger of the Lord. Now, the very fact that Basha did not turn to the Lord, even though he himself was God's own judgment against Jeroboam's line, that suggests to me with this guy that couldn't see this, or if he could, he didn't care. You know, I was judgment on this king's line. Maybe I should straighten up. But he never said that. That tells me the complete and total blindness to the responsibilities that were expected of him that Basha was supposed to have towards Israel. He didn't care. He wasn't even thinking. You ever seen people that are supposed to be doing their job and they're just not thinking because they don't care or they're clueless as it gets? That's a messed up failure on Basha's part. The man was just as clueless as it gets. He didn't care. All he wanted to do was his own thing, my way. I don't care to do what God tells me. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Now, this just shows us the immense depth of his apostasy, the I don't care attitude, the abandonment he had from God. It was hard-boiled. I'm not doing it God's way. Is absolute rejection. 1 Kings 16 and 5. Now the rest of the acts of Basha, what he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So Basha rested with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah. Then Elah, his son, reigned in his place. And also the word of the Lord came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, against Basha and his house, because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, in provoking him to anger with the work of his hands, in being like the house of Jeroboam. And because he killed them. <laughs> so he killed everybody off. That's murder. Okay. And he's doing these bad stuff, these bad things, just like Jeroboam. It's like nothing's changed. Got a new king and everything and still doing the same old mess. So we are told in verse five, how mighty Baasha was. How strong all you guys out there. Oh, I'm so tough. I don't need the Lord. I can do my own thing. Uh, it talks about how mighty Baasha was. He was a tough guy. So mighty that his might was recorded in the history books. Yet God took him down. Tough guys, listen to me. You're not that tough, okay? All throughout history, there have been people who have gotten so powerful that they thought God Himself could not stop them. But guess what? God will. God will have His way. In the 26th year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, the son of Basha, became king of over Israel and reigned two years in Tirzah. Now his servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him as he was in Tirzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, steward of his house in Tirzah. And Zimri went in and struck him and killed him in the twenty-seventh year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place." Basha just became king in Asa's third year. We're measuring everything against what Asa did. Asa is the king of of Judah. He's got a long, long, long reign, so everything's going to be based on him because his reign is so long. He's our our measuring stick. Basha became king in Asa's third year, and then he lost his throne in the 26th year of Asa. This means he reigned for 23 years. He started on the third, was out on the 26th, 23-year reign. So now you might be thinking, okay, that's a pretty long time. That's a long reign for a bad guy. Well, wait a minute. This means that, you know, because I'd been talking about typically bad, bad kings had short rules. Well, not always. So hang on a second, though. This means Basha now has taught his son for 23 full years how to rule. Here's how you rule, at least two decades worth. He taught his son to be as, as clueless as he was. And this is why Ayla had only a two-year reign. His dad taught him how to live like a fool. You know, if you teach fools how to be bigger fools, they're going to go down as fools. They're going to go down foolishly. And so there's nothing significant written about Ayla in the history books, except that he was a stupid drunk. That's about all it says about him. And his sinful behavior is exactly what made him vulnerable to Zimri's assassination strike. You're in there drinking yourself stupid. Do you think you can, a, a drunk guy like that can defend himself very well? He's not a good leader. He probably had guards that didn't care to protect him. Man, that guy's a drunk. Get in there and kill him. We don't want him over us. He made himself vulnerable to Zimri's strike. Sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you weak. Sin makes you vulnerable. And ultimately, as we see here, sin destroys. So Zimri was the commander, and he thought, goodness, this guy's going to be so drunk. He's going to be so easy to take down. Elah was not mighty like Jeroboam or like Baasha was known for. The history books didn't record all his might. Two years, he's a drunk, and that's it. He's out. So Zimri took the throne basically with no problem. First Kings 1611. Then it came to pass when he began to reign. As soon as he was seated on his throne that he killed all the household of Baasha he did not leave him one male neither of his relatives nor of his friends thus Zimri destroyed all the household of Baasha according to the word of the Lord which he spoke against Baasha by Jehu the prophet for all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Elah his son by which they had sinned and by which they had made Israel sin in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So I'm just going to ask you real quick, do you see a pattern repeating itself here? (laughs) Because I do. Have we not been told enough times by now how sin destroys those who refuse to turn around, which is the word repent? to turn around and get right with the Lord God. Friends, those of you who are going on in your willful sin, you're doing things that you know God's word says is wrong. Oh, but I'm mighty, I'm strong, and I'm okay. It's not going to stay like that. And when it happens, you're going to be sorry. You're going to wish you'd turned. You can still turn before the Lord and get right, turn back to him. So yet we have another unrepentant king here. Another one's going to go down. He continued in his adamant rejection of God. He was taken down just like all the other kings before him. You know, it just makes me think of this long line of multiple kings that keep getting taken down, taken down, taken down because they won't turn to the Lord. Why does each king keep thinking, but God won't take me down? I mean, what kind of ignorance is that? So friends, what I'm asking you is if you're walking in sin, you're not doing what God has called you to do. And we have seen time after time, the bad guys always go down. Well, I'm not a bad guy. We're all bad. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't repent and turn and get right with God, what makes you think that God is not able or is not going to take you down when he's taken down everybody else before you that never repented too? what this track record ought to show is that now is a good time to get right with Jesus right now. But yet again, another king went down, and again, also the text tells us what the spiritual root of the judgment was for. Why did he get taken down? Because he sinned and made Israel sin, and he provoked God to wrath. That's why. First Kings sixteen fifteen. In the twenty seventh year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri had reigned in Tirzah seven days, not years, guys. Seven days. Zimri had reigned in Tirzah seven days, and the people were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. Now the people who were encamped heard it said, Zimri has conspired and also has killed the king. So all Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel, that day in the camp. Then Omri and all Israel with him went up from Gibbethon and they besieged Tirzah. And it happened, when Zimri saw that the city was taken, that he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house down upon himself with fire and died, because the sins which he had committed in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, and in his sin which he had committed to make Israel sin. Now the rest of the Acts of Zimri... And the treason he committed, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So this guy messed up. He did it willingly. He says, my way, I'm not doing it God's way at all. And look where it ended up. Seven days though, guys. And he fell quick. And the Bible says he went down in the history books. In other words, the Bible, the author of the text was challenging anybody that read this. He says, hey, you go look it up. If you don't believe this, no, I don't believe he went down like that. It's in the books. Go look it up for yourself. Goodness gracious, though. What gets me here is that Zimri reigned for one week. He reigned for seven days. Now, in the Bible, the number seven usually indicates completeness. There's seven days in a week. It's kind of a number of completion. So you could say that Zimri was completely and perfectly destroyed in seven days, just seven days. Zimri was Israel's shortest-lived king in their entire history. Nobody had reigned as short a time as he did. And you know what? He had no right to just go claim the throne for himself. He had no right to just go take it. Now, we had seen God come to men in the past and say, this is going to be your kingdom. I'm going to make you king. He told Jeroboam that. Just do what I do, what I tell you to do, and obey. Okay. Well, these guys later, they weren't told by God. Here's your, this is your crown, this is your kingdom. They went and took it. They went and killed people. I think I could be a better king than him. So they went over and tried to steal and take it away. They had no right. They had no claim to the throne, the throne of royalty for themselves. And so when people heard that Zimri killed the king, he just walked up to the king here and just just wiped him out. That made Omri. Mad, and the people mad, they said, well, we're going to make you king. Omri's going to be king. They made him king that day. So Zimri took what he wanted by force. And so now it was payback time. He's going to get what he dished out, basically. And since Zimri knew he couldn't remain as king, he saw the attack coming in. He knew there was no way out. He chose to do so much damage, and he burned the kingdom down on top of his own head before anybody could ever get to him. I can imagine if they caught up to him, they would have strung that boy up, and they would have tortured him probably before they killed him. But the death of Zimri did not automatically even give Omri the right to claim the throne for himself either. Omri had no more right to try to claim any royalty for himself than what Zimri did. First Kings 16.21 Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts— Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath, to make him king, and half followed Omri. But the people who followed Omri prevailed over the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath. So Tibni died and Omri reigned. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, look at that guy go, he's still king, long reign. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri became king over Israel and reigned 12 years. Six years he reigned in Tirzah, and he bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver, then he built on the hill, and called the name of the city which he built Samaria, after the name of Shimer, owner of the hill. And so there was once a six-year period of time when the promised land of Israel and all its borders had three different kings ruling at exactly the same time.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel, Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at SetForLifeRadio.com.
1: Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.